This morning, we have a tremendous blessing. Shortly after we began this church, one of the things that's always been near and dear to my heart is God's Word. Folks, you say, well, Pastor, that's kind of a, a no-brainer there. There's people who start churches for all kinds of reasons, and God's Word is not always one of them. But one of the things that God already poured in my heart is the fact that, let's see, what is the statement our guest makes? Word for word and cover to cover, that it's true. And so we share that. And so I, I was believing God and saying, God, I want to bring some creation reality into this church. The earth and all of creation was created in six literal days. You look up the, the word day in the Bible, it is a literal 24-hour. And God, even because he wanted to make sure we didn't miss that, he said, and the morning and the evening was the first day. He didn't say the morning and then a million years later, the evening. He said the morning and the evening was the first day, the second day, the third day. Well, I was looking and I'm thinking, God, where in the heck am I going to find somebody like that? And I wonder if you would just welcome Russ Miller this morning as he comes to share the truth of God's word, word for word and cover to cover. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 E 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest. Thank you. How are you doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, I'm going to be right up front with you. <clears throat> I broke some front teeth about 25 years ago doing some dumb things that guys do. And so it's like porcelain, and I chipped one a few weeks ago. And if I chip it and it doesn't fix it, it's going to eventually break out. Well, that was a month ago, and I you know, kind of put it off, put it off. Well, anyways, this morning eating breakfast, I lost that tooth. So no smiling today, okay? No smile. You're smiling. Not <laughs> so if you notice that, just ignore it. So anyways, but we're all family here, so that's okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot. I thought about putting a chiclet in there, but I figured that'd just make my mouth water and it wouldn't work, so I gave up on that. So I thought it'd be better just to get that out of the way right up front so you're not sitting there going, hey, what? Is he missing a tooth? Um, but anyways, I really appreciate Pastor Tim and Jewel very, very much. And I actually don't do much teaching in Flagstaff. I might have lived in Flagstaff, but unfortunately, uh, this is an issue that, unfortunately, the foundations have been destroyed. But I'm going to talk about something different today. I was actually asked to uh, uh, put together a, a teaching on the book of Revelation uh, for a conference. And, um, you know, I didn't feel led 
to put together a teaching on Revelation because that's not what I feel called to do. But then I was talking with my wife, Joanna, and we started talking about this, and we ended up uh, making a uh, presentation on the tribulation, but through a creation worldview. So, and Pastor Tim's been talking about the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, and so we thought, well, we'll tie this in. I want to be upfront. There's a lot of speculation in this, and I, I will try to identify that speculation. But let's go ahead and get into the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show in, unto his servants um, things that must take place suddenly. And, Jewel, I shouldn't even mention this, but it's on the screen. We were working and working beforehand, and I was going to have to turn around and see what was going on, and it's, it's on the screen. Anyways, God is just good. My friends, the rapture is going to take place suddenly in the twinkling of an eye. You know, I, I wish I could tell you when it was going to take place. Hey, it could be in five minutes. It could be in 150, 200 years. I don't know. But we do see the signs of our times, and I'll let Tim continue with those uh, on Wednesday nights. But during the tribulation, two witnesses are going to preach the truth. They're controlling the weather, and they're going to call, be calling down earth-changing calamities from heaven that are going to change the earth in many ways. From the book of Luke, we see that during that time, nation will rise against nation, and there are going to be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences. You've probably all heard that before, right? Have any of you ever sort of wondered about the tribulation period and, and really, really been grateful we're going to be taken out before that? And during this time, great signs shall there be from heaven. I've just noticed also I'm having a little trouble talking. If I have a little lisp, <laughs> just ignore that. So this morning, I want to talk about seven earth-changing tribulation events that are going to come down from the heavens. They're going to be cataclysmic events. Um, those not raptured are going to quickly go from saying peace and safety and peace and safety to total panic and confusion in a moment. From 2 Thessalonians, then that wicked one will be revealed after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. The wicked one, the Antichrist, will burst forth unto the scene, and people are going to think he is the greatest person the world has ever known. Many people will actually worship him. Say, accepting this supposed world-saving peace leader only to be taken on through the tribulation period. Now, not every nation is going to immediately accept being taken over by this new world leader. And according to what we read in, in the Bible, world war will break out. And this will probably be nuclear, biological, conventional, chemical warfare. It's going to be a horrible, horrible time. During the seal and the trumpet judgments alone, an estimated 2 billion people are going to die from war and famine. Another 1.5 or so billion will be killed by the four angels released with their 200 million contingent army. We don't even know what that army will be made of. 
You know, with all of the AI and the drones and the robotics today, we have no idea what that army may be made of. And another billion or so people will die from lack of medical attention, riots, and so forth. It's going to be a horrible, horrible time. Then we get to the seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, and things get really bad. Praise God, believers won't be there. Now, during that uh, seven-year tribulation, this horrible, horrible time, while all this is going on, it's actually going to be revealing God's grace and God's mercy. How, in such horrible conditions, is this going to show God's grace and God's mercy? Well, according to the book of Revelation, such a great multitude of people will be saved during that period that no man can count them. God's wrath is going to ultimately show God's grace and God's mercy. You see, today, think about this. In, in churches today, there are three types of people. There are believers, non-believers, and make-believers. The believers will be raptured. And instantaneously, the non-believers and the make-believers are going to be, know what happened, and they're going to become the strongest believers since the apostles after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They will know exactly what the truth is, and they will know exactly why they've been left behind, and they will be faced with a choice. They can either choose Jesus and spend, and likely die and spend eternity in heaven, or they can choose Satan, likely die, and spend eternity in a lake of fire. What do you think they're going to choose? And they will be the strongest evangelists in the history of the world since the 12 apostles after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the book of Daniel says, those who have insight will shine brightly and lead many to righteousness. So many will be led to accept Jesus Christ by those left behind, combined with those 144,000 sealed Israelites and the two witnesses that no man will be able to count them. God's wrath shows God's mercy. What about those uh, seven cataclysmic earth-changing events that are going to come down from the heavens? Well, we're going to get to those, but first we have, to, we have to understand where we live today and where we've come from and, and where we're going. Realize today that we all live in the post-fall of man, Adam's original sin, the fall of man. We're now in the post-fall world. That fall allowed death, evil, and suffering to enter. We live in that post-curse. We live in the post-flood world. The beauty that we see in this world are mostly scars left over from God's judgment. Yesterday at this time, I was rafting down the Colorado River with about 60 people. 2,000-foot-tall cliffs on both sides of the river. And when we landed about 11.30 yesterday morning at Lee's Ferry, all of a sudden those 2,000-foot rock cliffs, gone, boom, all the way to the sea. Secular geology is based on there never having been a global flood. There's no viable way to explain this but global flood. And we'll talk about this when we go to Grand Canyon here in a couple of weeks. 
But just realize for now, we live in the post-fall, post-curse, post-flood junkyard, and yet it's still beautiful, is it not? And, you know, in Revelation 21, we're told that he that sits upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Some of the tribulation events are going to start preparing the earth for its eventual total renewal. We've got to have some context here. We, we need to understand what was the original creation like and what in the world happened to it. And this is going to re require me to do some speculation. The Bible gives us hints. But we have to speculate, so realize we're doing some speculation on this. The Bible tells us in Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Amen. This is etched into stone by God's very own finger. This destroys the gap theory, theistic evolution and progressive creation. That all put death before man and are teaching that man's sin did not bring in death or separating us from God. We need to humble ourselves to God's word. People ask me all the time, oh, the age of the earth doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you believe in creation. Technically, I actually agree with that. But the problem is when you don't believe what the Bible says about creation, you have a tendency to invent a different creator. And our creator is Jesus Christ. Do you see that? It's not a matter of believing in creation, but it is a matter of believing in the true creator who is the only one found in the Bible who died on a cross. Do you see that? Subtle, yet devastating. And because of the compromises, that's why virtually no churches in Flagstaff will let me share this. You know, I travel over. I'm speaking with Josh McDowell. God is so unbelievable. I'm speaking with Josh McDowell in Kentucky in about three weeks. It's not because of anything with me. Josh is an old earther. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have me speak there. But this is what God does. And Josh is going to hear the truth. He's going to hear the full information. So, you know, be praying God might use that. Be praying God might use that. But this is in the middle of the Ten Commandments. And on the sixth day of the creation, the heavens and the earth were finished. God looked at his creation at the end of the sixth day and said, creation is done. The first law of thermodynamics is the law of uh, conservation of matter and energy, that matter and or energy cannot be created or destroyed. The, the total amount of, of matter and energy is set. When God said creation was finished, I think what he meant was the creation was finished. See, God says it clearly. When what God says something, he means it. And it makes it real easy to be a believer. You just read the Word of God and believe it. And God looked at his creation at the end of the sixth day and called it very good. Now think about this. I got in trouble yesterday morning at breakfast because someone came up to me and said, how are you doing today, Russ, this morning? I said, I'm good. He said, no one's good but the Father. And I said... So I really tr want to try when someone asks me from now on, hey, Russ, how are you doing? I just want to answer, I'm a, I'm a fail, lowly sinner, only saved by the grace of God. <laughs> Which is really the honest answer anyways, isn't it? Um, now I, I couldn't do this with everybody, Pastor Tim, so I just, I just appreciate you guys. So um, when the rich young ruler said to Jesus and called Jesus good, Jesus said, why call me good? Nobody's good but the Father. 
And think about this. The good father looked at his creation and called it very good. Yeah, it was very good. It was not full of sin and death and suffering. Plants were made to be the food source. They don't have a nefesh kaya, a living soul. The creation was very good in the opinion of our righteous, good God. And Adam walked in the garden with God. Satan was not the God of the world at that time. That destroys the gap theory all by itself as well. So from Genesis 1-7, we're told God made the firmament. Think about this. And he divided the waters that were under the firmament from the waters above the firmament. Waters above and below the firmament. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what that is, so I'm going to have to speculate a little bit here. I'm going to speculate that the water above the firmament, we're told that birds fly in the open firmament of heaven. So that would be our first heaven, our atmosphere. So evidently there was some sort of, uh, of water above the atmosphere. So I'm just going to speculate that there's some sort of a canopy, maybe a water canopy that could have been liquid, solid, or uh, gas. I'm going to go with a vapor canopy just for the sake of discussion. But do remember I'm, I'm speculating here. But it would have done some great things. It would have produced a hyperbaric effect around the globe. What is that? Well, this is a hyperbaric chamber. They're using hospitals around the globe because by greatly increasing oxygen pressure, they greatly reduce the amount of time it takes to heal from surgeries and injuries. Many professional sports teams have their own hyperbaric chambers because it heals injuries much quicker. But there isn't any evidence that we may have had greater oxygen content in the past. Well, this is amber, which is petrified tree sap. You guys ever see the movie Jurassic Park? They supposedly uh, got the uh, mosquito trapped in the amber and uh, got some of the DNA and found some dinosaur DNA in its blood. Um, anyways, that that's, wouldn't happen. DNA breaks down pretty quickly. But they do find trapped pockets of air in amber. I'm sorry, I've got to take a little rabbit trail. We're told the amber is up to 250 million years old. They find all kinds of little creatures and, and, and insects and plants trapped in amber with no evolution, no change from the plants and creatures we find today. Sorry, a little rabbit trail. Sorry about that. That's what happens when you have a creationist talk about revelation, okay? <laughs> I'm just warning you. But they do find trapped pockets of air, and scientific studies on those pockets say there used to be about 50% greater oxygen content in the past. Hmm, interesting. Would support the hyperbaric chamber effect. Now, had there been a vapor canopy, it would have done some great things. It would have produced a, a greenhouse effect around the globe. We would have had spring-like tropical climate around the globe. You've seen how plants grow in the springtime? It would have been springtime every day. We had lush forests and grasslands. Also, the vapor canopy would have blocked a lot of the harmful UV rays, X-rays, gamma rays coming in that cause so much cancer and entropy today. It would have greatly increased lifespans as well, producing lush forests and grasslands around the globe. In fact, if you look at the genealogical records in the Bible, you'll see that the lifespans prior to the flood, now this was after the fall of man and after death entered, lifespans were still on average over 900 years. Immediately at the flood, they dropped to 400, then to 200, and then to 80, which is about where we stand today. Something very drastic changed at that year-long flood. 
Well, scoffers will say, it's not 912 years, it's 912 months. Now, my friends, if you just read God's Word and believe God's Word, it's really easy to be a believer. Now, when we say that, that does mean, without saying, you take it in the correct context, okay? Where it's meant to be taken literally, like in the book of Genesis, you take it literally. If it's meant to be poetic, as in the Psalms, you take it as poetry. If it's a parable, you take it as a parable. And the Bible always explains this, so always remember when we're talking about reading the Word of God and believing it word for word, cover to cover, that, of course, means in the correct context. But scoffers will say 912 years, not nine, or 912 months, not years. Well, Enoch was, was 65 when he begat Methuselah. If each year is a month, he was just barely five years old. That just doesn't make any sense. Better to read God's Word and believe God's Word, or else we'll be a chaperone over to the nursery pretty quick, Pastor Tim. From uh, Psalm 136, though, so we're told that God stretched out the earth above the waters. So we talked about the, uh, the waters above the firmament. What about the waters below the firmament? For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, but they went up a mist and watered the whole face of the ground. So in the original creation, it didn't need to rain because God had this great underground watering system and this mist watered the earth every day. So in the original creation, there were no vast oceans, no winters, ice caps, deserts, no high mountains. Uh, in the original creation, we uh, didn't have thunderstorms, lightning storms, hurricanes, etc. And also there was one landmass, some sort of a water above the firmament, perhaps a vapor canopy that uh, produced a hyperbaric effect and a greenhouse effect and a tropical climate around the globe, had its own watering system, lush forests, great harmony between man and beast, and it was, it was very good. Well, what in the world happened to it? Well, three things happened to it. Number one was Adam's original sin, known as the fall of man. And this brought on the curse, allowing death and suffering to enter God's perfect creation. So you've probably heard someone say, how can we have this loving God? And scoffers do this all the time. How, where's this loving God? We have a world full of death and suffering. There's no loving God out there. No, the biblical answer is right there in Genesis 1 and 3, and that is that well, God didn't give us the world today full of death and suffering. God gave us a perfect creation. Well, what in the world happened to it? Adam's original sin. Adam's original sin brought on the curse, and that's why we live in a world full of death and suffering today. So next time you hear that, that question, give them the biblical answer. However, if, you, if you've accepted one of the non-biblical beliefs that put death before Adam, you can't answer that question, can you? Do you see that? Satan is good at what he does. Man, he's so subtle. You always hear Christians saying the creation doesn't matter, the age of doesn't matter. You've just accepted death before Adam, and you can't answer that basic question. 98% of Christians today cannot answer the, the question biblically, how can we have a loving God in the world full of death and suffering? Well, now you have that answer, right? Now you can share it with others, help others, and explain to them why the old earth police put death before Adam and destroy their ability to answer that question. So the curse was brought on. In fact, in Romans 5:12, we're told, by one man sin entered the world, and death by man's sin. In 1 Corinthians 15, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
But if you put death before Adam, you've just undermined all of that. Pastor Tim said before I started, he talked about if the foundations be destroyed, death before Adam destroys the foundations. The old earth beliefs that were worshipped today were only invented about 220 years ago, and they were deliberately made to put death before Adam in people's minds. That's what they're all about. That's what the whole thing is all about. And from Romans 8, we learn that the whole creation groans and travails in pain since the fall of man. The second law of thermodynamics is all things wear out and wax old as a garment, as the Bible says, most likely in implemented at the fall of man at that curse. In fact, this is one example. Earth's magnetic field has weakened by 6% in the last 160 years. It, at that pace, going backwards, it would have had the strength of a magnetic star just 12 to 15,000 years ago. You couldn't uh, have an older Earth than that. Life couldn't have survived. Yet after Adam's sin and after the fall and after the curse, God's creation was still spectacular. So what in the world happened to it? The global flood. The global flood, my friends. We're told in Genesis 6, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and the Lord said, I will destroy man. And he, uh, we're told also in Genesis 7 that the fountains of the great deep were broken up. The fountains of the deep erupted. Most of the water came from below the surface. Today, there's three times more water below the surface than in the oceans. Did you know that? Lots of water. People ask me all the time, where did all the water go? Oh, there's, there's lots of water, my friends. And the fountains of the deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. A window to heaven? What, what is a window? Something you can see through, right? Well, the earth's crust split apart as the fountains of the deep erupted with scalding hot waters, magma, and muds, shooting them into the atmosphere, producing torrential rainfalls, and the vapor canopy condensed as the windows of heaven rained down for 40 days and 40 nights. A lot of folks think the flood was 40 days and 40 nights. No, no, the windows of heaven came down for 40 days and 40 nights. The flood was uh, over 300 days in duration. And the scalding hot waters led to the Ice Age effects. The scalding hot waters warmed up the seas. It's estimated that the flood waters averaged about 120 degrees Fahrenheit. This led to massive evaporation and cloud cover that was raining down over the equators and pounding snow onto the poles, leading to the one and only Ice Age. Now, near the end of the flood, the Earth's fractured plates slid apart quickly and violently in what today is considered to be continental drift. They look at the, the, the uh, continents separated today, and they say they look like they used to fit together, and they're, they're just moving a half inch a year, and it, well, it's always been a half inch a year, and they're this far apart, it took hundreds of millions of years to drift apart. It's called uniformitarianism, uniformity. It's foretold in 2 Peter 3 that in the last days, scoffers will claim uniformity and deny the flood. Secular geology today is based on uniformity and no global flood. The Bible told us this 1,900 years ago, and they started doing this about 200 years ago. You ever see a car ruin, ruin another car? I know you guys wouldn't have been involved, but you've heard, I'm just asking you to witness that, right? Car ruins another car, boom, in a millionth of a second, the hood's crumpled, right? Let's say you'd never seen that before, and you come along, and you've been trained to believe in uniformity. 
you look at that hood. It's crumpled. You measure the amount that's crumpling, which is zero today, and you think it took hundreds of millions of years to crumple that hood. <laughs> you'd be absolutely wrong, but you'd, that's the uh, problem with th uniformity thinking. The Bible says they go up by the mountains and down by the valleys. We think toward the end of the flood, the mountains arose, and the valleys sank down. The world's tallest mountains are littered with marine fossils. You know, all around Flagstaff, you can find trilobite fossils, shark's teeth, crinoids, uh, sea lilies, clams, brachiopods, marine fossils all over the place at seven to 8,000 feet above sea level. The mountains arose toward the end of the flood. And the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Earth's crust was destroyed during that flood. For the first 150 days of the flood, those fountains of the deep were erupting. We think they probably eroded the top two miles of the Earth's crust, those sediments. And then over the second 150 days that they started to abate, now they started laying those sediments back down. But now the sediments have been sifted by grain size, weight, and density. So they're relayed down. And you have all shale, all sandstone, all mudstone. That's why we have stratified layers that make up the crust of the Earth. Old Earth beliefs are based on those stratified layers having formed slowly over millions of years. Think about it. Why for millions of years would nothing but mudstone form? Nothing. And then suddenly, boom, nothing but limestone for millions of years. And then boom, suddenly, nothing but sandstone. I mean, if they formed slowly over long ages of time, it would be just one big brown conglomerate, wouldn't it? There wouldn't be stratified layers. Stratified layers are proof of the global flood. People say to me, I've never seen any proof of the global flood. You've been walking on it your whole life. <laughs> Every time you drive down the highway, you go through a mountain cut, you can see the stratification, right? Wow, I'm sorry, I smile. Sorry about that. <laughs> People are over here going, would you stop smiling, please? It's kind of distracting. Look like it came from Tennessee. Oh, I should have. <laughs> Actually, I came from Texas and Arkansas. We don't have anybody like that in Texas and Arkansas. So, anyways, okay, anyone from Tennessee, you can take free shot at me after, after church. I apologize. <clears throat> anyway, so the global flood removed the water above the firmament. It removed the cosmic ratio, the hyperbaric effect, the greenhouse effect, and the tropical climates were all lost during the global flood reducing lifespans that started immediately, as I discussed um, earlier. The global flood judgment divided the land mass. It depleted the freshwater aquifers, uplifted the mountains, and created vast oceans, leaving us with ice caps, deserts, winters, tornadoes, hurricanes, lightning storms, and rainbows. In fact, God gave us the rainbow covenant uh, he made with Noah after they got off the ark after the flood, saying that he would never again judge the world with such an event, right? Christians who believe in millions of years are taught it was just a local flood. We have local floods every day around the world, hundreds. I think you guys had a local flood right out front here about a week ago, right? Now, it was a global flood, not a local flood. And today we live on the post-flood, post-curse, post-fall uh, junkyard. The earth is now 71% covered by water. People say, where'd all the water go? <laughs> Their surface is 71% covered by water. Only 29% is land. 
There's three times more water below the surface of the earth than is in the oceans. There's lots of water, my friends. Today, the earth is tilted 23 and a half degrees on its axis, and the crust of the earth averages a mile deep of sedimentary layers of rock stratified out by moving water full of things that were buried so quickly they didn't have time to rot away or get eaten by scavengers. We call those things fossils today. Have you ever heard the term prehistoric animal? You know, giant creatures are found, pigs, rhinos, buffalo, etc., in the strata layers. Giant plants and insects are found. They're not prehistoric. They're actually pre-flood creatures. In fact, this from uh, USA Today, a report from the Royal Society's Biology Letters, which states, it seems like the Earth used to have about 35% greater oxygen levels than today, leading to supersized scorpions and dragonflies and cockroaches. They found uh, petrified cockroaches 18 inches long. Yeah, petrified, uh, they found a petrified uh, centipede in Germany a few years ago. It It was nine feet long. You want to clear the room in a hurry... Let them crawl out from these uh, plants here toward the front row, and you'd see people running for their lives. It was a different world. And remember, Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. So let's get to those seven cataclysmic earth-changing events. From the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black, and the moon became as blood. Earth's land masses are violently shaken in this earthquake, separating the crust from the mantle, and causing massive volcanic eruptions which darken the sun and cause the moon to look like blood. Part of that sixth seal, the stars of heaven fell into the earth. Now that word star could mean just about any celestial orb. Meteorites, etc. will come down, but I think also this is going to wash man-made satellites from the heavens as the stars fall from heaven. In Revelation 7, it says, I saw four angels holding the four winds that the wind should not blow upon the earth. During this time, there will be no wind, no cooling breeze. The evaporating water will ascend directly up into the atmosphere and start restoring the vapor canopy. Uh, From Psalm 148, we're told the waters above the heavens, God has established them forever and ever. They'll be restored Uh, This will start to block the cosmic rays, uh, restore the greenhouse effects and the hyperbaric effect. That will start growing again, and lifespans will start increasing again uh, during the millennial millennial period. Uh, The first trumpet judgment sounded, and fire was cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees and all the grass was burned up. This is going to be a horrible, horrible time. Praise God, we won't be there, right? But this event will also purge the surface of the grounds of the remaining chemical and biological weapons. The second trumpet sounded, and it was as if a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. During the tribulation period, all saltwater creatures will perish, preparing the world for the eventual freshwater aquifers to come. If you like seafood, you better get it in now, okay? It's not going to be there in the new heavens and the new earth. Well, there's other problems with that, too, we won't get into. But, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and men were scorched with great heat. This event will do many things, but one of the side issues is that it will melt the ice caps. The ice caps are a direct result of the global flood, of God's judgment. 
just as are the oceans and the seas. You ever wonder why in the, in the new heavens and the new earth there'll be no more seas and no more ice caps? Because those are, are remnants from God's judgment. All will be restored. When you look at a globe and you see all the blue water and the white ice caps, you're looking at, yeah, that should remind you of God's judgment of sin. The ice caps will melt. In fact, from the book of Amos, we're told, he that touched the land, it shall melt, and it shall rise up wholly like a flood. The melting ice caps will inundate the coastal regions and flood them. The seventh angel poured out his vial, and there was a great earthquake like the world had never seen before. Every island will flee away, they'll disappear, and the mountains will also disappear. Try to imagine an earthquake where the islands and the mountains are going to disappear. This, this isn't a point seven or a seven. Uh, this is off the charts. The mountains and the islands will collapse, breaking up those sedimentary layers laid down by water full of dead things that should remind us of God's judgment of sin. At the same time, this will be purging the land of radioactive, biological, and chemical remnants from the wars. Now, the waters are going to be rushing into fissures, purging the bloody, salty, polluted waters. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, we're told that um, there shall be a very great multitude of fish because the waters shall be healed. The tectonic plates will be moving once again, and they will cover those fissures, restoring the fountains of the deep as the continents are once again reunited into one land mass. In fact, from the book of Isaiah, we're told the earth is moved exceedingly. From the book of Isaiah, we're told the earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard. The, the earth is going to reel back and forth during this time. Uh, in China, they, they built and made the uh, world's largest man-made lake about 10 years ago, and it changed the tilt of the earth upon its axis by about one quarter of one degree. Just one lake. During the tribulation, we're talking about the continents shifting apart, the oceans moving violently, and the earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard. The readjustment of the land and water masses will return our planet to its original tilt upon its axis. And once again, we'll be without mountains and wind. The weather is going to stabilize, and there'll be no more tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, etc. The restored fountains will send forth a mist of water to water the face of the ground, and the land mass will soon be covered once again with lush forests and grasslands. In fact, from the book of Isaiah, we're told in the wilderness, uh, the waters will break out like streams in the desert. The plant growth will be phenomenal, and the animal kingdom will begin reverting to being herbivorous once again, where the, the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the lion will eat straw like the ox. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And the tribulation events will remove the tall mountains, the ice caps, the deserts, the winters, the axis tilt, tornadoes, and so much more. And it will restore the vapor canopy, and along with that, the uh, greenhouse effects, the cosmic ray shield, the hyperbaric atmosphere. It's going to be returning again towards the creation events. 
We'll get the single landmass, the lush vegetations, and longer lifespans will begin immediately. And so many people are going to be saved during this time period that the Bible says no man can count them as God's wrath is going to show God's renewal and His grace and His mercy. Jesus told us in Luke 17 that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Now, I think that means culturally. I think we all understand that. But I think physically, the world is going to be returned to its state as in the days of Noah. It'll still be after the fall. It'll still be cursed. There'll still be death in it. But it's going to be spectacular once again and prepared for the return of our Creator and Savior, Lord Jesus the Christ. It's going to be prepared for His 1,000-year millennial reign and the coming, eventually, eventual complete restoration of His very good creation. Praise God. I'm going to end this part with a prayer, but I do have just another minute, Pastor. Um, well, usually I tell Tim to come up when I start praying, so I just wanted to know that. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word, your word we have that we can read daily. And especially thank you for your word who became flesh and dwelt among us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Jewel and Pastor Tim and, and the ministry they have here. I ask you to please bless this information. I realize there's a lot of speculation. You'll, you'll straighten this out and show us exactly what you meant here pretty soon. I just thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' great name I do pray. Amen. I just want to take just a moment and say a couple of things. Uh, we've got our new DVDs. We didn't actually bring them today, but uh, we're, we've been working on our new DVDs. They're much better laid out. It's got five new teachings in them. And also my new book we're working on. I, uh, I started a project a couple, three months ago. I was going to update my book. And it's turned into a... It would have been easier to rewritten the thing. And, uh, but we've added a lot of information. We've... Um, We've had it proofread by a number of experts. Uh, I've gone through it, and I've added a study section to the end of each chapter. So there's 22 chapters, now 22 study sections. Each one makes a good Sunday school personal study. Uh, there's uh, true-false and multiple-choice questions with discussion points and leader guides in the back for all this. And uh, also, I've added uh, about 180 more references to it. So I, I would get attacked all the time, and I get attacked quite often, by the way, but uh, one of the things, one of the many things was I only had 120 references, well, now there's over almost 290 references. So I said, here, you don't want some references? Here's some references, okay? <laughs> Just trying to make everybody happy. Uh, and again, that's my book, The Cost, and we have our, our kids' coloring books in our... Uh, uh, Noah's Ark and Dinosaurs and our Christian Heritage, endowed by their creator. A lot of information in there. I just got done with our last rim and raft trip for the year yesterday. And um, it's been, God's been good to open a lot of doors for us to, to take people up to the canyon and on the, on the river as well. Showing them the truth of God's word. How many of you have been to Grand Canyon before? Awesome. Most everybody around Flagstaff has been there. Now, if you just went there on your own, you went to one of the greatest secular atheist bastions in the world. It is one of the five pillars of secular atheist beliefs. It's one of their pillars, my friends. 
If you just go there, you're looking at just a big hole in the ground. And you're going to be told it formed over hundreds of millions of years, putting death before Adam. If you go with me, I will show you where the original creation rock is. I'll show you where the first of the flood layers come in. I'll show you right where the, where the flood layers, the judgment layers, lay right on top of the creation rock. I'll show you where you can go and put your thumb on creation rock and your fingers on the first of the judgment layers. And I'll explain to you how there used to be. You know, it's a mile from the rim to the river. I'll explain and show you evidence that there used to be a mile and a half of layers above today's rim that have removed from southern Utah all the way to the sea, leaving behind the grand staircase, which is Bryce, Zion, Vermilion Cliffs, the Mogollon Rim. That's the edge of the erosional event that moved over, removed more than 150 times more sediments than what is missing from that puny little Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon's nothing compared to this. And you probably, unless you heard me say this, you probably never have heard this before. You know why? There's no way to viably explain it except the global flood. And a global flood wipes out every old earth belief that puts death before Adam and in the process destroys naturalism, humanism, Darwinism, modern atheism, etc. And all the compromised positions uh, misleading people inside the church today. You know, fair question, if rivers carve out huge canyons over millions of years of time, and if the earth is billions of years old, well, why isn't every river, gully, stream, and creek in its own Grand Canyon by now? It took a very special set of circumstances to form Grand Canyon, including the removal of that mile and a half of layers, the uplifting of the mountains, and I'll explain all this on August 10th with Pastor Tim when we go to Grand Canyon. I'll end with this from Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, so they will be without excuse. Oh, my friends, the invisible things and the visible things from that global flood are clearly seen too, so that when we stand before our Creator, Judge, and Savior, if we have compromised him with atheist beliefs, we will stand without excuse. I'm not here to... to attack anyone. I'm here to help everyone. Right? Iron has to sharpen iron, my friends. We have a lot of our fellow brothers and sisters that are misled, and they don't even know it. And now there's this pride issue about it. You can't tell me anything. Well, look, I'm not trying, trying to cause problems for you. I'm trying to show you. If you have some friends, I bet you all do have Christian friends that, that believe in some of these other beliefs, invite them to go with us on August 10th. We've had many bus drivers. Oh, the bus drivers are trapped on our trips. <laughs> we did a trip about a month ago, and four people were just mad at me because they were old earthers, Christians, but old earthers. And the host of the trip came up to me at lunch and said, man, these guys are really mad at you. I said, well, the problem they've got right now is they're trapped on the bus. Whoops, <laughs> I smiled. Sorry about that. They can't get off the bus. I said, by the end of the day, they're going to be fine. They're going to hear things. They're going to have no choice but to listen now. And by the end of the day, they took me out to dinner afterwards and thanked me for, for standing on the truth. So we got to get over this pride issue, this pride thing. We've all, we, we all have this problem. It's not just them. It's me. It's all of us. But we need to get over that. We need to stand on the truth of God's word. Let me end my part with a word of prayer, and Pastor Tim, if you'd come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day and every dear soul that's here today. I ask you to bless the information that I've shared. I hope it's been a blessing. It'll just give us more information and more encouragement to share our faith with others. In Jesus' great name I do pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.
From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.